to the Richfield Branch Library Podcast. The Richfield Library Podcast is a conversational podcast between Kat, Christina, and myself, and we work at the Richfield Library in Richfield, Ohio. If you were to pull up a chair behind the work desk, these are the conversations you would hear about the books we are reading and what kind of reactions, such as inspiration or delight, or yes, even sometimes frustration or absolute bafflement over the books we are reading. We never bring the same things, so we hope you are here for the discovery of something interesting for your next read. That is our goal, book discovery. So let's introduce ourselves. I'm Jen. I am the branch manager of the Richfield Branch Library, and uh, I'm looking forward to today's conversation because Christina set up da, 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 our da. workstation. We have a third mic. We have woo, woo. three mics. We can all talk at the same time. Huzzah! Everyone quickly chatter. Chatter, everyone. Chatter. I know. It's, so, it's going to be so fun. We have stuffed it up a notch, everyone. Oh, my goodness. So. I have to train myself to say things now, though. Yeah. Because I was trying to train myself not to say things. Because yes. it was really annoying for Christina to edit because mm-hmm. she'd have to bump my voice up in the background. <laughs> so just now I was like, wait, you can say something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I'm Christina. I'm a PSA at the Richfield Library, and I'm our resident AV club (laughs) participant. This was really a fun challenge to get this third microphone up and running. It's always something. It's always something with technology. Why do we love it so much that we... (laughs) I don't know. You were tossing out words like phantom, and you were spinning the dials on the mixer. Yeah, so for all the audio nerds, we have two dynamic microphones, and our new microphone is a condenser microphone so that will mean something to audio people and (laughs) we'll let you know what kind of headaches I just had to incur but we got it all straightened out now so I just envisioned a condensed can of milk when you said condenser so that's anyway leave a comment if you know what that means (laughs) (laughs) we like read it only on podcasts all of this stuff (laughs) is so complicated but on the other hand I really love like hardware tech because like software is so you're like reaching into nothing and like hardware is like oh look it like clicks and fits or it or it doesn't like yeah I love just like the knowing I enjoyed the like professional librarianing of you like purposely striding around figuring it out it was very (laughs) awesome you were just like how'd you like librarian determine face on it was like how does this work there's something wrong with Mike but I will fix it dun 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 I was like yep you're on my zombie apocalypse team I was so proud of myself for knowing where that manual was. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. All right. So, my name is Kat, and I am the adult services librarian here at Richfield. And my intro today is that I have a microphone, guys. Yay! I am no longer an intern. (laughs) (laughs) You know what happens to the intern in Night Vale, don't you? So, this is, you made it. I made it. (laughs) You made it. I'm officially official. Well, here we are. We're we're having our first mini snowstorm. It actually was trying to snow today. Oh, so sad. Um, so that's the, what's exciting new in Richfield, and uh, I'm excited to talk about the books we have. Who wants to go first? Oh, we yeah. forgot to decide. Oh, right. And now we can all argue, and everyone can hear it, because we have three microphones. <laughs> Who wants to go first, guys? <laughs> I'll go. I'll oh. always, I'm always down to go first, get it out of the way. Um, this week, I read a bunch of graphic novels. So that's what I'm talking about. And 
Um, That's what I'm talking about. I didn't even realize. <laughs> I th yeah, they're both. They were both from um, the publisher Drawn and Quarterly. So first, I'm going to talk a little bit about them. Um, they're Canadian, and they've featured a ton of uh, comic book artists that I really, really love. Kate Beaton, which I've talked about before, Harka Vagrant. Craig Thompson, who wrote Blankets and Habibi, and a variety of other things that I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but Habibi is so gorgeous. It's a really beautiful book. Um, Tom Gauld, who has a couple of collections, like Baking with Kafka, uh, also a new children's book, uh, the log, something about the robot and the log princess. They're really, <laughs> they're really charming. He's, so he's on the cut, he's did the illustration for this um, gorgeous large tome drawn oh. in quarterly, 25 years of contemporary cartooning, comics, and graphic novels. It's a very what gorgeous. What is that, like 900 pages? <laughs> Something like that. I like the starscape. It's not long enough. It's, so this is a really fun. This one you can get through us, and it's got all these different comics, but then all of this, these essays about the comics and photographs from different eras, and this is a fantastic resource. I was not expecting it to be so massive when it came in. I was so delighted. So I haven't um, read this, this collection yet, but I've read a ton of Drawn and Quarterly over the years. They're just really great. Um, I love when books put in the ribbon to mark your place. Yes. That is such I, And this is one of these books that could up. have used three or five ribbons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they were described by Time Magazine as the most elegant comics publisher in North America. And I thought that was a really good way to put it. Because there is something very refined about the style of the artists that they they get. And I don't know. It's It's... Any anytime I come across a graphic novel where I'm like, wow, there's something really special about this, nine times out of ten, it's from the publisher Drawn and Quarterly. So I very highly recommend them. The first one that I read last week, which got me started on this kick, is called Wendy, Master of Art. And it's about a girl getting her master's degree in art. Oh. And <laughs> you're sure this is about Wendy. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say fake memoir. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's really a beautiful, the, the author Walter Scott does a really good job of um, lampooning art speak and all of the ways that that kind of makes, it's supposed to bring clarity, but it makes things more opaque. Like she's trying to talk about her work and people, the advice that people are offering her is so spot on, like the art community of like, it's not really helpful. <laughs> At least that was my experience with critiques is, it, it was just a maddening experience as much as it was relevatory. Um, as somebody with experience, <laughs> yeah. you went through. I know. All I this. think. I think I am kind of emotionally processing the fact that I'm not getting an MFA right now, <laughs> and kind of being like, oh, any any time I'm like, oh wow, so much like business speak, and my head is swimming from all this text. I'll be like. Uh, remember how torturous I could if, if I was getting my MFA right now it would really be painful so oh. <laughs> nothing but you're is, getting your US nothing nothing experience. nothing 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 on the planet is as painful as art school <laughs> I mean you were talking about the one class you came out of it and you're like I can't even tell you what my favorite color is yeah yeah no <laughs> they really to you? they because I mean I think at the heart of it art is so subjective and so we don't really want to admit that 
and so we kind of go the other direction and like way over intellectualize things that are like okay but sometimes you just pick colors like it's okay to just pick a color like that has to be okay yeah Christina, are you being positive about negative space right now? I'm. <laughs> this. Uh, <laughs> it was just a very. <laughs> it was a very healing. It was just healing for me to read something that, yes, is satirical, but also it just has a lot of heart and humanity. Like he he has a couple of scenes where she has to teach students because that's um, when you're getting your grad degree. A lot of times you're you're working as a teacher as well, and. She starts, like, all of the things that were driving her crazy about our school, she starts seeing herself mirroring it back to her students. And that was a really cool aspect to it. I don't know. It, it, if you're not into art and art world, if you don't have a lot of art friends, I don't know if you would think it was as, as endearing as I did. But certainly if you have any experience with art people, this was one of the better ones because it, it has an, a base note of compassion, I felt like. Sometimes this stuff can get so mean, but like I don't know. Like we recently rewatched Beetlejuice, <laughs> and <laughs> when you when you <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing Look art people art. love more than making than poking fun at themselves, and so so art people. This is a good one because this is also encouraging. She comes out the other side not totally disillusioned. I'll I'll just give oh. it away. <laughs> okay, well that's good. I think we need a a, a rope of hope. Yes. But I also think, I mean, to be a comic artist in art school, I can't even imagine. That's really cruel. <laughs> Anything with a little bit of humanity is, is not typically treated well in art school. So kudos to people who survive. <laughs> All right, then my, speaking of surviving, my other one um, is by Jessica Campbell. It's called Rave. And it's short, it's quick, it's stylish, and it's loud. But the ending is quiet. Oh. Like it's kind of, it, you think you know where it's going, and I'm surprised by the, the nuance of the ending. Um, it feels like an indie film in book form, and it talks about like the pain and intensity of female friendships and relationships. Being in high school, it just puts you right back in high mm, school. I don't want to be <laughs> Just right back in high school, Ugh. especially if you went to church a lot in high school. So recommend rave as well but yeah definitely look up drawn and quarterly which are some other artists uh brecht evans um those are that's some really gorgeous art if you just google brecht evans b-r-e-c-h-t-e-v-e-n-s that is not the kind of art that you are expecting from a comic artist like he's he's more of a painter um daniel close who did uh ghost world which was that movie with Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson. It's fun. More art lampooning. <laughs> artists making fun of artists. Wow. You go, Canada. <laughs> Let us have it. <laughs> so yeah, that's drawn in quarterly. Wow. I w- yeah, it was it last week was my week between classes, so I I was gonna say this looks I had like all of these novels and big books I wanted to to read and I how much real life can I cram in this exactly week? I was like just yeah the graphic novels I could not suck yeah. them down fast enough so. you had to cleanse the palate yeah oh yeah, yeah. it's yes. like your book cleanse yeah which is silly I mean obviously I could be reading them all along but I don't know it's hard to wrap your head around too many things at once oh yeah 
It's been so long since I pushed myself. It's really funny lately. I'm just like, oh, right. This is why I was always reading one book at a time. (laughs) I've always got about four or five going now. Like our new library program, the book challenge, you put two people in really comfortable chairs surrounded by tea and coffee and like this huge stack of books and you go, okay, and read. And you see (laughs) how fast they can get through their stack. Yeah, but at the end of the day, they have to explain all the books separately. That's the trick. Because I start seeing like patterns where there aren't patterns and you gotta be careful. No, I would lose that. I'm a slow reader. <laughs> but anyway, I like I like your thread of um, healing. You talked about mm-hmm. healing because mm-hmm. I had that experience uh, two weeks ago. We hosted Neon Carrot. Chris was here. Yes. Chris and his crew. Yes, yes. They're an industrial design firm, a designing firm. And um, we showed them, we have this back wall here at the library. And it's called our design thinking wall or research and development hallway or, and I've been stuck on what we have up there for about two years now. And And he gave me the blessing to like tear it down, you know what you're doing and move on. I've been, again, I've been feeling stuck. So that was just, it was so nice to have somebody from the outside take a look at everything we had up on the wall. And he's like, that's great. Pick three, tear it down, yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, but I'm not ready yet. Um, and then you did a project, kind of like a project management graph where you graphed all of our projects and our iterations. <laughs> and that was helpful because it's like, okay, I, that's helping me visualize, wow, we've actually done a lot. Um, now pick three right. for the year. Start yeah. on one, obviously, and go. But yeah, I don't have to have everything in front of your face all the time. Yeah, yeah I was getting depressed. Much. I was. You gotta, you gotta really focus on like one or maybe two things at a time. I, I like kind of having a couple things going at a time, because it is like if you come up against a wall, it's like okay, let that rest for a minute and try some try a different tack. But yeah, um, so I feel. Re- but I feel everything re-under. all at the same time is too much. So I've been feeling re-energized. Oh, good. So then this book came into my hand. It's called Messy, The Power of Disorder to Transform Our Lives by Tim Harford. And what I loved about it is um, he mentions such things as this. Like sometimes you just got to put your, the great thinkers, the great innovators, the great doers, what they always did is they had multiple projects going at once. Multiple connections in their network, and they tapped on new network friends and old network friends, and they just kept, like, I guess everything was just like moving, like start start this project, and, and it's okay. And if you get stuck, jump into another project because while you're working on project number two, your brain's still thinking about project number one, and maybe you get stuck on two and go into three. And maybe three will finally unstuck you from one because something from two gave you clarity. Yeah. And I'm like, that is, that is, that was brilliant. So I'm really enjoying this book about just, it's, it's a mess. I keep forgetting it's a messy process to, um, to just creating, being creative or just having aha moments, which leads me to this other thing. So Chris invited me to, um, Neon Carrot does this 
thing where a couple times a year they host um, a gathering and you, you, you get this beautiful invitation. So I'm thinking of um, the book, The Art of Gathering. And I told him, I said, you did everything right because you set the stage for this wonderful evening that could be nerve wracking. But I got this beautiful envelope and it was the presentation of how they described this evening. They said, it's gonna be an, uh, uh, an aha. We're gonna talk about aha moments and we want mm. you to come to Neon Carrot on a Thursday and you're gonna be introduced to four other people. And you don't know who those four other people are. They're just four people in their network. Um, and, and so I showed up not knowing who I was gonna meet, but I met Toby and Heather and um, you know, one's in insurance. So it's totally random, oh, right? That's cool. And we talked about aha moments and um and i told everyone i said oh my gosh i think i'm an aha addict i don't think i am i know i am i'm always <laughs> looking for an aha moment and we talked about goosebump moments like when you think you should jump or do something or move and it was just again very like just very so inspirational so i feel like these last two weeks i've had like this kick like okay i'm back i'm coming back i'm ready I'm ready to do something. So this messy is good because it, I've been feeling messy, um, but it's it's all good. And then um, I got this other book that just came in into my desk, so I haven't read it yet, but it's called Design for the Mind, Seven Psychological Principles of Persuasive Design. So I'm looking forward to being persuaded. Um, but the absolute most beautiful book. So when Neon Carrot was, was here, I put together like a, a table of books that I think they should add to their library. And one of the books was just called Nike. And it's huge. And it's by Sam Graw, G-R-A-W-E. And the full title is Nike Better is Temporary. And it's this huge coffee table book. You know, Nike is just so innovative. They're always, they're never stagnant. Oh, the shoes? The shoes. Well, just, well, they're just getting into to everything. So, so of course, they're, they have a lot of the shoes. Then they have, like, the House of Innovation where they, they test products. So they talk a little about, about the House of Innovation. And then I'm, I'm just moving through this gorgeous book. Um, let's see. Hold on real quick. Then nope. they have all these like concept shoes. Oh. And then they have like, okay, so they're not just shoes, right? They're also sportswear. So a lot of the, Serena does a lot of testing of oh. like compression socks. And I did see something lately that they like, they've come up with a new fabric. And it's something oh, yeah. that's like blown instead of woven. And it's very, um, it's like hyper thin and it's low. Something about reducing waste, and Whoa. I was so curious. About I mean, how there's that a lot in here. Um, Dream with us. It's all their like again their innovation, and it's really it's really wild and bizarre stuff. But they're just constantly like testing. And then I came to this one page, two forty four, and it says, okay, we think about shoes, and they're um, getting into blades prosthetic 
blades. Oh, you've seen them. They they're the, the they look like yeah. seas and they're springy and they're getting into um, prosthetics to help you know the runner or the athlete. And I and it made me think of a presentation that I heard. Um, somebody from Goodyear, Erin Spring is her name, and she's the director of like innovation or ventures or. I saw her at the Ohio X Tech Summit, and she was saying, like, Goodyear is not just about tires. Here it is again. We're thinking about mobility, right? Okay, yes. So it's that stretch. It's not just about tires and rubber. So they're, they're thinking about, like, what about propellers? Oh. And what about electronic cars? And, and it's just really cool. Like, they're really – it's not just about the tire, right? We're not just making the tire cooler or better. And I'm looking at Nike going, they're not just making shoes. They're making athletic wear and blades. And all, it's just so inspiring. So then I got to the, to the end, and it's called Playground Earth. And it's, I, from what I'm gathering from this chapter, it's all about how they're involved with sustainability and they're grinding down the shoes. And I was just going to ask you, are you wearing your... Oh, yeah. Recyclable Nike I am. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can't remember what they're called. But yeah, the soles of them are ground up, recycled. Um, they take the the waste parts of the, the sh- other soles and grind it up. Yeah. Kind of like how they make those playground. Yeah. Um, there it is. Out of There's the ground up shoe. rubber. Yeah, it has, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. So that was with the fabric. I think that's why it was less waste because it... Instead of knitting fabric and then cutting out pieces and then you have all that waste material, it was like, I think it's molded okay. almost. And so you blowing the fibers onto this thing and then like trapping them in this like substrate layer. So there's no seams in the clothing. Oh, okay. So okay. there's no waste fabric. It's, they're only generating the fabric that's needed for the garment. Exactly, oh, just to size, which is like just so crazy. And plus, really cool to think about in the future no seams. <laughs> seams are usually uncomfortable. Yeah, so, like, it is yeah. like if you can just get it all in one piece, that would be better. That's awesome. Yeah. But I have so many questions. I'm like so skeptical. <laughs> but, I, but if anyone's going to do it, right, I think it's them. This book is just so, just so beautiful. Um, so inspired. I don't know. I'm just looking at it going, I'm, I'm a librarian and I don't know where shoes are going to take me, but I'm ready for this ride. So anyway, you're going to see this beautiful, gorgeous, heavy, it's heavy book out on our um, podcast table. So that's, that's where I'm in right now. It's got one of those gorgeous Coptic bindings also where it's like, you can see the spine. Yeah. It's open. I love that. Yeah. So that's what I'm, I'm coming out of my Rut. Yay. <laughs> oh, it's the best feeling ever. It is. You're coming out of the rut because that book is so thick you can step on it to step out of the <laughs> Step out of the, the dark grave I've yeah. been in. <laughs> All right. So I will raise a toast to Jen coming out of her rut because my here, first here. book <laughs> is Mocktail Party. Ooh. 75 plant-based non-alcoholic <laughs> recipes for every occasion and the reason i'm introing with this is because every podcast i have so many freaking books guys it's so sad and i'm like i'm gonna talk about them all and then the day of i'm like trying to narrow it down and so tidy little boxes like oh i'm gonna talk about this genre so i went through my elderly phase 
Then I went through my romance phase. <laughs> then I went through my depressing book phase. <laughs> and now I have segged over into my science phase. Yay. Yay. And I think subconsciously, the reason I segged into science is because of Dart, which, you know, slammed into that little asteroids asteroid and woohoo we altered the orbit we may or may not survive still but i thought that was pretty freaking cool um so anyways i thought that we would raise a toast to that Ta-da. mocktails but also a toast to jen for getting out of her rut Thank you. which she can now stay out of because if an asteroid is coming for us oh golly nasa can save us so doubly we're out of our rut uh, i love it when themes also intertwine as we're speaking quick back in the rut uh-huh. <laughs> no, seriously get down <laughs> so how better to engage physics and pretty much everything about science than to be fake drunk? It's a beverage for every occasion, right? <laughs> fake drunk. So I went through this, and of course, everyone has different taste. And by the way, the pictures in this book are like, oh. Um, the first one is a pickled Mary, which I oh. just thought was funny. Oh. <laughs> so it serves four to six people, or if you're me, two, because I love, love food. Um, so this is, we love the addition of pickle juice to a classic Bloody Mary, so we decided to take it to the next level. Huh. Um, so basically what it is, it's a non-alcoholic Bloody Mary. It's With a pickled Mary. A pickled? Yeah, so they added pickle juice. So you've got tomato juice, dill pickle juice, lemon juice, horseradish, hot sauce, Worcestershire. I've never been able to say that right. <laughs> Forgive me. Dill, ground pepper salt or regular salt and of course celery sticks lemon wedges and dill for garnish i do like love dill. a good garnish yeah i, do I like chose this dill. one even though i hate tomato juice because i felt that it, i should be unbiased and step outside of myself also the picture was pretty i know i always want to like bloody mm-hmm. marys but i can't i can't bring myself I to try them but they are sort of like wasabi well wasabi is delicious never mind but, but like in that they clear your sinuses so i remember oh. getting one once it had mm. absolutely no discernible drunken impact. All I felt was that my ears were suddenly very clear, and I was, I mean, it was like really serious hot sauce. Right. Yes. Not that I'm saying any of you should do this when you have a cold. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, maybe. But on. I do like adding pickle juice, would probably, because that's the kick. thing, that's the problem when you take out the alcohol yes. and you're missing you have to some. Compensate. Yeah. Yes. Everything's sweet and surfacey, typically mm-hmm. in a cocktail, besides the alcohol. Exactly. Otherwise, you're drinking ketchup. Right. Pretty much. Yes. <laughs> would you care for a cup of cold tomato soup? But see, that is, yeah, that's why they call it the pickled Mary, because cold ketchup would probably not. <laughs> not I do like, yeah, I do like too. So the next one is very pretty. It's tequila-less sunrise. You'll get the same beautiful sunrise colors in this frozen alcohol-free variation of the classic tequila sunrise. Each layer has a unique taste, but the real magic happens when you mix the two together. And it's beautiful, people. This one is legitimately pretty with a little strawberry garnish. So it's mango, coconut water, lime juice, and of course, ice with frozen strawberries, coconut water. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) we could just open up the window and put a cup out right now it's pretty chilly <gasps> coconut water lime juice and dates with lim- lime oh. slices for a garnish if you so choose i like that no headache yes and now it is very chilly so this one is for us okay because it's cold outside this is mold wine not not oh. mold not mold like mold mold m-u-l-l-e-d not m-o-l-d correct <laughs> you would not want to drink that anyway this one serves six, but three if you're me. So this mold 
mocktail recipe is cozy, spicy, and the perfect accompaniment to a winter gathering or a night by the fire. And just so you guys know, PSA, Richfield has a fireplace with comfy chairs. And this is non-alcoholic, so you could bring it into <laughs> so the library and bring it in, and you can share it with the library. Yeah, that is that interesting. Yes. yes. If Please you share do. with us, we won't yell at you for having a beverage in the library. Just <laughs> kidding. So this one has pomegranate juice or grape juice, which I thought was kind of cool. Coconut water, orange juice, zest of orange. I love saying zest. And I get to say it again because there's also a zest of lemon. <laughs> Cloves, cinnamon sticks, ground nutmeg. <sighs> and of course... Lemon and orange slices and cinnamon sticks as a garnish. <laughs> oh, wow. Garnish. So, do they have anything chocolatey? Oh, they do. They have things for like all occasions, man. I'm like, what can we it's, do with hot chocolate? It's Ooh. rad. Okay, so that would probably oh. be they have a chocolate mousse martini. Okay. Mm-hmm. A chocolate hazelnut frozen teeny. And then they also have, let's see, they have classics, they have the Cosnopolitan. I thought that was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, oh, and the um, blueberry basil cooler and the Irish coffee. It's just just funny. I like some of the plays on words because I'm a nerd. And so they do also have drinks with benefits, but I kind of felt like we don't need benefits right now. We just need to be cozy and warm. So I went with the ones that are unhealthy. They do also have warm cider and sage and peppermint hot chocolate. Ooh, yeah. Which is magical and delicious. So mocktail party it has a very friendly and engaging cover it looks like all the drink glasses are dancing woo woo so i highly recommend this i highly recommend you to have one or two while we delve into my other books about outer space so the first one i'm going to talk about and i just pulled a couple random ones actually i had a method to my madness but they are random in that they cover a couple different outer spacey kind of things so the first one is The Book of the Moon, A Guide to Our Closest Neighbor by Maggie Erin Pocock. And I really love this one because it's really, it's kind of, it's kind of hand size. And it has this really neat cover where it has in gold embossed the phases of the moon. So it's just really pretty. Mm. And it has the like dark blue cover. So it's sort of, um, it's sort of, it's like the night sky as it is, you know, without like light pollution, this sort of like warm drawing sunsetty i'm really writing poetry right now okay moving on um so anyway she in a very engaging manner <laughs> like the introduction is called introduction why be a lunatic <laughs> what wait <laughs> oh. what did it because it's like luna oh oh so my oh, jen was slow to that <laughs> so pretty much cat <laughs> with her nerdy words was like why be a lunatic this is the book for me that's awesome <laughs> But in seriousness, it's a really beautiful either intro or refresh um, to the moon. And it has really great graphics in it. It talks about, they call it Moon 101, the basics. um, And then how the moon has been used culturally, scientifically. And I kind of view the moon like, I don't know, like a wonderful neighbor that you've had your whole life. And and you just kind of always, they're just, they're there and wonderful and and all of those things. And then you kind of like stop really thinking about them. The moon is just, you know, it's there. <laughs> but do we really critically think about it anymore? Because, you know, we went, we saw, we took rocks. So <laughs> I'm simplifying. Well, yeah, we NASA's do. Cool. It does amazing things. There's a red exactly. moon and the Tides. lunar eclipse. And- yes. So I'm being vaguely facetious, but it just was a fun revisit because when I think about space, I get very excited about stars and galaxies, as you'll find out in a moment. And, but I, and I love looking at the moon. Obviously, I'm a huge night owl. But I hadn't really, like, 
studied, I guess, in a while or refreshed on that. Mm-hmm. I was obsessing about other things further away. And I was like, but the moon is fascinating because it so impacts us. So I really recommend the book of the moon. And you, too, can be a lunar <laughs> lunatic. So the next one is pretty. This one is galaxies inside the universe's star cities. And that, which I really love because that is what it is, right? Star cities. So mm. get it like lunatic star cities. Ah, science people are fun. <laughs> they like words. Okay. So galaxies is kind of a medium format book and it has a cover that is both engaging, but also really mellow. And it kind of feels the way the night sky looks on a winter night that kind of crisp mm. everything is in very sharp focus but there's a sort of like wintry remoteness to it you know and then of course when you pull the lens back it is really fascinating to think of us as like this just this tiny little marble floating around in this abyss that is seems dark but really also isn't dark like there's some anyways i like to think about these things as i drift into sleep no wonder i have nightmares all right So this one is very beautiful. And this one is a really interesting science book because it does a really great balancing, just like the moon book of graphics and intro slash refresh, but in a way that's very engaging. And I think like, I do think that sometimes the failing in elementary school when you're starting to learn about these things is how dry it can be. And so I think that kind of disassociates you from the wonder that is nature in the world around us. Yeah, it's never and like why, it's yeah. always just memorize this. Yeah, memorize mm-hmm. this and regurgitate. Mm-hmm. So you stop thinking, like you can recite why we have months and recite why we have tides and all these things, but you lose touch with the emotional quality of that and how it really, without it, we would be dead. Um, and so this book, I think is a beautiful balance of that and also just like, gosh, this sounds so pretentious, but like, yeah, like the majesty of the universe and how beautiful it really, really is. and sometimes when I can't fall asleep, I actually look up photos of the universe because it's just so Mm. soothing, I think, too soothing to think that there's this, like, what was it, as Douglas Adams said, space is big. We really can't describe the utter bigness of space, (laughs) you know? But I find it so comforting to think that, like, outside of, you know, our little world, there's just all this space, this space of, like, potential and and other things. And so the pictures in this book, sorry, so today photographs in this book, the graphics run you through how to classify different galaxies, spiral, pinwheel, etc. But then they have these absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous photographs, like the Andromeda <laughs> Galaxy in black and white, just so beautiful. Um, I actually bookmarked some of my favorite ones. And then Andromeda in close-up um, in color. Ooh. And it's just so... And what's fascinating to me about it, too, is I think, you know, when you watch obviously movies we make digital worlds we create digitally right like green screen but sometimes I look at these photographs and I'm like why bother to create it we have these amazing high res <laughs> like backgrounds or maybe they do use them I don't know I might have just sound like a moron sorry Hollywood um, and then this one is really beautiful it's the outer shells of Centaurus A Ooh. yeah yeah but it's just it's so I mean I keep saying beautiful but it is so it beautiful. almost looks like mm-hmm tiny lights stuck in cement the last yeah. one <laughs> like there was like this weird great crack it looked like skin or something <laughs> it was weird and it also explains um like black holes everything so anyways i think this honestly if you wanted to get someone excited about space science really or astronomy whatever 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 terminology you would like to use for someone who also flunked out of algebra this is it's a beautiful book and a really excellent balance and um 
yeah, of facts and figures, and then also just why I think people are so fascinated, you know, and want to keep exploring. So from that beauty, we're going to end with <clears throat> Gordon L. Dillow's Fire in the Sky, Ooh. Cosmic Collisions, Killer Asteroids, and the Race to Defend Earth, because I like to end on a happy note. Oh, that's timely. Yes, it is very timely, because... <laughs> For those of you listening to this, 15 or 20 years into the future, all of us sitting at this table were there. Okay, we were on Earth, but we were watching when NASA successfully nudged an asteroid by slamming the dart right into, well, okay, fine. It was the asteroid kind of orbiting the asteroid, but whatever, whatever, it's fine. Kind of apocalyptic when you think about it. We're kind of like obsessed with like what I call comfy demise. You know, we have like like the Walking Dead show. We have, you know, Armageddon. Yeah, we, we, we seem to be. But it is just like with culturally our preparing ourselves yes. to just like accept it. And I think we have this illusion that like we too would be like walking <laughs> like, around with our zombie well, swords. It's just happening. So yeah. we might as well start writing plays about it and get the people used to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why did we start thinking this way? Because we, because we really, we really do. It's just like I don't get it. I've often wondered about that. Like, what is? What are we preparing for? I. We're just really sure it's going to end. I yes. think I think it might be a lot. So this is me just riffing here. But it might be like a logical. We've conquered everything. Conclusion else? from we, we always want to tell history as though it all happened. And then we're at the end of it. And so if we're at the end of it, then it has to end now. But the truth is that we're not at the end of it. And we're really not comfortable with the idea of it going on. Well, I am. Exactly. I know. <laughs> I don't think we've figured out nearly all there is to figure out. No. I think it's ridiculous and arrogant that yeah. we're mm-hmm. at the end of it. But that's kind of how we always tell the story, right? Yes, we can intervene, but... Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not so sure. So, She's going to put yeah, me I back in my I don't think we're anywhere Sad near... Grave. <laughs> I just dug out. I don't think we're anywhere near the end. I'm going to need your book, Christina, to Personally. dig out again. Oh, right. It's yeah. thicker. <laughs> <laughs> well this one got really good reviews actually like from Kirkus and such and um and alan wiseman who wrote the world without us i like his little blurb on the back <laughs> just when you thought you had enough worries it looks like chunks of the sky will indeed someday fall gordon dillow's breezy gentle humor proves an engaging vehicle for his absorbing well-researched quite serious subject What's amazing is how refreshing it feels that, at least this time, we're innocent of the resulting global havoc. <laughs> it's like, okay, no one else looks amused by that at all. What's no, I really know, but that's the thing. Is, humor. Again, just like, okay, if dinosaurs went extinct from the last one, like, life is not going to be extinct. It, you know, even if humans are extinct, there'll be something. The AI will, will survive. Oh, don't Skynet, is Skynet going <laughs> to? Voiced by Johnny. Well, I love it too. He, literally, he says stuff in this thing like, here be an example. Like, I think this is, so, this is so great. The solar system is a busy place. This graphic depicts the known orbits of 1,400 asteroids that could someday pose a threat to Earth. Many more have yet to be discovered. It's just like this huge, like just... I don't know. I, yeah, I, find, also... I find it comforting. Like humor aside, the reason that I like things like this is like I said, do I really want to be squished by rocks? If it's fast, sure. But like, I, <laughs> but I mean, in general, I, mean, I, just, okay, I find but it comforting. Keep in mind that cosmically fast might be two to three years. This is very true. So. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I find it just, 
I find it comforting that out there are so many things we don't understand because we like we chart so many things, right? We have right, Google Maps exactly. and Apple Maps and like really some of the only things left there's I'm reading a really fascinating book called The Brilliant Abyss about the ocean. Um, but really like humans have been so obsessed with cataloging. And so where is, you know, the great mystery really of the planet rounds. I just think it's really comforting that there's so much we don't know outside of us. I don't particularly want an asteroid to hit the earth, but I just think it's just really incredible that, you know, there's just there's so much, so all much we don't know yeah, on nice, earth still. There's, there's so much we don't know. And I kind of hate that we can only ever relate to things like we only will investigate them and seek understanding if they pose a threat to us because that's the only way we can care about and, something. Yeah, that's so true. Because <laughs> yeah, like, if you pull back you the lens and look at us, exactly. If you like pull back the lens and look at us, we are so tiny in the scape of our solar system and our own galaxy. And so I just feel like it's a different lens of looking at. Okay, we think about our Earth ecosystem as humans, but. As a planet, aren't we part of a larger ecosystem? And what do we mean to that ecosystem outside? Like, are we relevant? Or are we not? And I just find those philosophical questions quite fascinating. I love many aspects of technology, but yeah, sometimes I feel rather sad for littles because they can come to come to the library and we can find them whatever information they need. Like, some of the mystery is sort of because we're so discoverable now. You know, that wondering what was around the corner is not quite the same. But space is like that. You know, especially because it takes so long for things to reach us in general. So, yeah. So you could say the podcast is like us being in space. We're constantly reaching out into the abyss. But that, yeah, that's what I love about the library is I feel like, yeah, it's like professional generalists mm-hmm. in a overly specialized world. <laughs> that sounds like one of your business books, Jen. <laughs> but <laughs> like, I think I have that in my Goodreads uh, shelf. <laughs> But I do. That's like my favorite part of this job is you walk in and someone returns something and you're like, this never occurred to me. And you can go down that rabbit hole all day. Yeah. You're just like, okay, I'm researching this now. Like I learned so much about. Yep. (laughs) Different kinds of microphones or different kinds of vehicles (laughs) and space versus the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. Every day is a adventure of like I never even scratched the surface of an entire field of study mm-hmm. it's a big world out there kids <laughs> and a big universe da, 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 da. and a comet's gonna end it all on that <laughs> note <laughs> Christina take us home the Richfield Branch Library is a branch of the Akron Summit County Public Library. Our theme music is Examples by Ketza and is made available to us through a Creative Commons license on the Free Music Archive. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.